Welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com, a place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy to be speaking with you today. I feel like I've been gone forever. Um, I haven't, actually. I've been busy, but not gone. But I've been busy in the most amazing way, uh, which is taking care of my family and my grandchildren, which is the best way to be busy. And I have welcomed my 13th grandchild, into the world. I actually did nothing. Her mother did all, his mother did all the work. I just, uh, watched the other two while she was in the hospital laboring away. But she brought forth the most amazing little boy, uh, making seven boys and six girls. Uh, that's what I have for grandchildren. And they're all wonderful and they're all beautiful and it's amazing. So it was a really fun, fun experience. And the best part about being able to grandparent without the parents around is that you can really get to know the kids. They really turn to you. You know, there's not that mommy's not around for them to go to. And um, I'll tell you, there is nothing better than two year olds and three year olds. They are the best. And I have a lot of those. Um, and then the seven and the eight year olds, they're a lot of help. And they, you know, my, I have one granddaughter that is just a, an, a genius as far as technical things go. And, you know, I'm standing there with the remotes, two remotes in each hand, trying to click, 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 push buttons. And I'm like, can you fix this? And, she, you know, the nine year old is like, yeah, I'll take care of it. And of course she fixes it and everything gets back to the way it should be. And just all of them, they all have their strengths. They all have. Uh, their little individual personalities and it's amazing. And I recognize, please know that I recognize that I am so blessed that I have grandchildren. And I know that that is not a blessing that everyone is able to enjoy. And that brings us to our topic of the day. Since this is the week before the holiday, the holiday, dun, dun, dun. Mother's Day. And so we're going to talk today about Mother's Day and what Mother's Day means, really, and how it affects all of us as women. And of course, I have my opinion. And since I'm the one talking, I get to share that opinion with you. But I would love it if you wanted to give me a call and give me your opinion on Mother's Day or some feelings that you have about Mother's Day, it's very easy to do. All you have to do is dial 888-463-6748, and we will connect, and we'll talk a little bit about Mother's Day because that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get right into the subject. Um, I have mixed feelings about it, and I my brain is going 100 miles an hour with different thoughts and different feelings that I have. And my first thought is that, unfortunately, I believe that a lot of the stress that is centered around the holiday comes from the monetary feel, the, the monotonic, what's the word I want? The, uh, the, the capitalism that's been involved around the holiday, uh, monetizing it. That's the word I'm looking for. The, the hallmarking of Mother's Day, that is what has caused a lot of the stress. You know, when the holiday was first decided and voted upon and became a holiday, I don't think it was meant to become the day that all florists make more money than the entire rest of the year. I don't think it was the day that we're supposed to be buying roses dipped in gold to give to our mothers. I don't think it, me- it was meant to be the day that we go and buy jewelry for our mothers. That's not what the day was meant to be, but that's what the day has become. Pressure, pressure on everyone. Do I celebrate my wife or do I celebrate my mother? Do I celebrate my daughters? Do they celebrate me? Do I celebrate my mother? Do I celebrate my mother-in-law? Whose responsibility is it for me to celebrate my mother-in-law? Whose responsibility is it for me to celebrate my daughters? 
Um, what do I expect my children to do for me? These are all things that I believe have, have been pushed upon us by the world of marketing. And we need to really relieve ourselves of that responsibility and get back to, well, I wish we could make the day go away in general, but I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, I looked up online Mother's Day, and there were a lot of blogs out there talking about why Mother's Day has become such a dreaded holiday. And let me read to you from one of the blogs. It starts out by saying, worse than Christmas, way worse, one daughter emails me. The holiday of hypocrisy, since it's the day on which I conveniently forget everything hurtful thing, every everything hurtful my mother has ever said or done, and I collapse under the pressure of buying flowers and my duty and sending things anyway. And every year, my mother complains about them. And then she goes on to say, buying a card is paralyzing. Another one remarks, number one mom, uh, no. I end up buying a blank card with a benign image and then scribble something that doesn't totally compromise my integrity. And I end up feeling guilty about that. It hurts. Plain and simple, says another. It's a day of loss. Just a painful reminder of the love and support I never got. These were some of the comments. If you look up Mother's Day that that some women in particular, I don't know if men really have a lot of the emotion that's wrapped around Mother's Day. Uh, you know, they're kind of like, hey, mom, how you doing? Happy Mother's Day. And they kind of go on. But, you know, we as women, we're nurturers, right? And we feel that sometimes, I think, a little bit more. And so a lot of the women made reference to a mother that was abusive, a mother that was neglectful, a mother that isn't there, you know, the loss of losing a mother as a child. Um, a, some of the other things that were brought up on some of the articles were um, losing children, being a mother, but losing your children, having children die, having babies die. Um, a lot of other things that I looked up were mothers who gave birth, um, but then their children um, were disabled. And so their idea of being a mother totally changed. You know, 180 degrees. This isn't what they thought their role as mother would be. Or there were comments by women who struggle and who so desperately want to be a mother, but they're, they have infertility issues. Um, maybe they were even blessed with one child, but that was it. They, they, they couldn't seem to get pregnant again and have another child of their own. Many of them had made huge efforts and spent thousands of dollars on either trying to adopt or, or, you know, treatments for infertility with nothing as a result. So the word mother, a celebration of the role of mother really does create a lot of mixed emotions for women. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Um, I'm going to share a little bit of my experience and of course, that's the only paradigm I have. I can't talk about your feelings or your your experience as a mother. I can only talk about mine. And I have actually put a lot of my feelings about being a mother in a new book that's just been published. The name of the book is Heaven Sent and Bent. And it highlights my role as a mother of a disabled child. And it's it's done with humor. It's done with faith. It's done with emotion. And I just share my journey of being a mother with a disabled child. He is our, our youngest son has, um, as I've mentioned on a lot of my other podcasts, uh, has severe cerebral palsy. He is, um, very much disabled and is in need of a one-on-one care 24 hours a day. And he doesn't do anything by himself. He doesn't eat. He doesn't sit up. He doesn't walk. And he is totally dependent on others to care for him. And I, he is our youngest child. I had six children. Five children were, um, born naturally, uh, in a, in a naturopath clinic, no complications, very healthy. I just never in a million years thought that I would be 
a mother of a disabled child. And for a long time, I didn't even believe it after he was born. I just thought that this was something that would get better, something that he would improve, that he would still perhaps have some kind of a disability, but not as severe as he has. And I didn't really understand what mothering this child was going to meet, what, what it was going to be. And that is pretty much what is written in my new book, Heaven Sent and Bent. The book is available on Amazon. You can download the book uh, as a Kindle or in another download form. And of course, it's available in paperback. Um, I have both forms of reading books. I download books, I listen to books on audio, and I also have real live books that I can hold in my hand. It really depends on what the topic is. A lot of books... Um, I want to be able to reference, I want to be able to highlight, I want to be able to dog ear a corner and flip back. And there's just something about holding the book in your hand. And also, I really think there's something about having a book that you can pass on, that you can hand to a friend and say, I loved this book, I want you to read this book. And I know you can share, I know there's that capability on Kindle and and on your iPads and other things, but there's just something about being able to actually hand someone a book and say, you know, on page 33, I loved this or I quote that. And so I hope that real live books never, never, never go away. Um, but who knows? We'll see. But I also know the instant gratification of being able to download a book and have it instantly. I know when I was reading the Hunger Game trilogy, I loved the fact that it was two o'clock in the morning and I would finish one book and then I could click and go right on to the next book. And, you know, you just don't want to quit when you're really immersed in a good book. You want to be able to keep going. And that's the advantage of the download version of a book. But I would encourage you to actually do both. Get the download version so that you can read it right away, but get the paperback. It's simple. It's not a large book so that you can reference it back, perhaps hand it off to someone else. It would make a great Mother's Day gift, especially if you know someone who has a child with a disability. Um, that's really my demographic or parents, mothers of children uh, that have a disability of some kind. And I, I reference a lot of other people. There's a lot of quotes in there that I really love. One of the people that I reference a lot in the book was um, Anne Lindbergh. I don't know how many of you have read her book, um, Gifts from the Sea, but I love her sense of humor. I love her um, ability to be honest with what her life was like. And she has a lot of really great, it's in her book as well is a, is a, a small book. It's not a, a big read, but it's just her journal. She loved to go to the beach and, and, uh, she would, she would go there and it would give her time of reflection and it would give her a chance to, you know, regroup and, and go back to her, to her role as being a mother. Let me read one of the quotes that I have in my book from her book, from Anne Lindbergh's book, Gift from the Sea. She says, with a new awareness, both painful and humorous, I begin to understand why the saints were rarely married women. I am convinced it has nothing inherently to do, as I once supposed, with chastity or children. It has to do primarily with distractions, the bearing, rearing, feeding, and educating of children, the running of a house with its thousand details, human relationships with their myriad poles, Women's normal occupations in general run counter to creative life or contemplative life or saintly life. The problem is not merely one of women and career, women and the home, women and independence. It is more basically how to remain whole in the midst of the distractions of life, how to remain whole in the midst of the distractions of life and to remain balanced no matter what centrifugal forces tend to pull one off center, how to remain strong no matter what shocks come in at the periphery and tend to crack the hub of the wheel. And isn't that just right on point? How many mothers of you, how many of you out there have felt the struggle of being a creative person, 
of being someone who craves uh things that are your own personal interest but y- you you just can't do them you have so many distractions and those little distractions are called children or their husband or their other things that life demands from you and that is and so i love that you know people always quote mother teresa and everything that she did and it was amazing what she did amazing and and so important what she did but she wasn't married and she didn't have children so we have to remove ourselves from comparison we have to let her be her and and reverence what she did and celebrate what she did but recognize where our pulls are and where our responsibilities are with our lives that we've chosen and um so that's that's where we are as mothers I want to talk a little bit about um, what it's like to be a woman and what it's like to want so desperately to be a mother, but to not have that dream fulfilled. So let's take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Welcome back to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com. Here's Renee Steelman. Thanks. Thanks for coming back. Uh, before we went to break, we were talking about the trials and the feelings that come up around the holiday Mother's Day. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the things that comes up on this holiday are are the, the depression and the anxiety around the desire so severely to be a mother. It's something that is expected out of being a woman as a woman it you think that becoming a mother is just something that your body does you look around the world and you see children 14 15 16 year old children women girls uh, are able to get pregnant and uh, not necessarily a good thing but it still happens uh it just it just happens there was no it didn't you didn't have to do, have to have a degree you know you don't have to have studied or visited a certain country or have a piece of paper that says you're an expert in anything you it just happens right because you're a woman that's what you expect and so when you think it's time that you have that desire to become a mother and it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen I don't think anyone else besides a woman can understand what that means. Even men who are not able to father children, I don't think they understand because they have other roles that are expected out of them. They can turn to their profession and and they can turn to other areas that give them fulfillment. And not to say that women can't do that as well, but when women choose or desire to have a child and that dream doesn't come to them, it is part of being a woman. And so it hits really deeply. And I cannot even imagine what that must be like. Well, actually, I can. Let me tell you a little story. When my husband and I got married, I was serving in the military and I didn't have that much time left in my in my um, term. I, I only had a little less than a year left in my enlistment. And so the plan was that we would go back to my duty station and we would live our lives but we hoped very much that I would get pregnant and that we would be able to start our family and that I would be able to just get out of the military and we could come back to the United States and we could start our life. That was the plan. And it didn't happen and it didn't happen and it didn't happen. And a year later, I went to the doctor finally and I just said, well, what's going on? And I I was frightened. I was so frightened because all I had ever wanted to be was a mother. And I had dolls and I play, I was the only girl in my family. I didn't have, um, anybody else to play with. You know, my older brother is three years older than I am. My younger brother was eight years younger. And so I learned to play independently very well. And my play always involved playing house and I was a mother and I had children and I would discipline the children and I would love the babies and I it was just something that I always wanted 
to do. And I had had some medical issues and I ended up having one ovary removed. And even though the doctor had told me that it would be okay, that the other ovary would kick in and that it wouldn't affect my ability, I was positive that the doctor was wrong and that I would not be able to to be a mother because a whole year had gone by and I wasn't able to uh, conceive. So people would come up to me and they would say, um, well, it depended on, on, on the day and the, where I was. You know, this was the 70s, right? So the style was umpire dresses, um, loose, kind of the bohemian look. And so if I happened to have on a blouse that was kind of loose and, 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 uh, uh, you know, just kind of free and easy, people would come up to me and they would go, Oh, you're pregnant. And then I would have to say, No, I'm not. And, or people would say, um, Hey, what's going on? Are you guys going to have kids or what? And I would say, Yeah, we're trying. And, you know, and, uh, just little comments that they, they really were not meaning to offend or hurt my feelings. Of course, they were just inquiring and, but it really touched my heart. And of course, Mother's Day would come around and babies would be blessed at church and, and it would just, I would just cry because it was just something that I really honestly thought I'm never going to be a mother. And people would say things like, it's okay. It's okay. You'll have children. And I'm like, how do you know? You don't know if I'm going to have children. Don't tell me that. You have no idea what's going on in my life. And so, but I only had to endure that for a little over a year. And on our way back from, uh, you know, the, the, my year was up. I had completed my, my requirement, the, the time that I had in, you know, enlisted for. And my husband and I were on our way home from Japan where I was stationed. And we got to my parents' house. We wanted to stop and visit my parents in California before we came back to Oregon. And I just didn't feel good. And my parents had a swimming pool. And the guest room was right off of the swimming pool and the smell of the chlorine was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I mean, I just did not feel good. And I, so by the time we finally got back to Portland, I thought, man, I have, I'm just not a sick person. I am just not normally sick. So I, you know, went to the doctor. They didn't have those pregnancy tests back in those days, kiddos. You know, we had to we had to do things the hard way back in the 70s. Back in the 70s, things were hard. And uh, so I went to the doctor and sure enough, I was pregnant. And that explained why I wanted to throw up and everything that that was going on in my life smelled horribly. And and but I was so relieved. I was so relieved. And of course, you know, the rest is history. We have six children and and uh, most of my children are about two years apart, but there's a few of them that are thrown in there, you know, 15, 18 months apart because I love children and I loved being pregnant and I was so grateful that I was able to have them. But so I have a little bit of understanding for the women. But again, one year, one year is nothing compared to an entire lifetime or five years or six years. Um, I've heard so many stories. I had a good friend who went for years and years and years and finally adopted. And shortly after they adopted their baby, she got pregnant. I have another friend who went years and years and years and who adopted. And they still never had children. And they adopted two other children. And they are the most beautiful, wonderful family. But I have other friends who have made lots of uh, a huge effort to adopt. And it just hasn't worked out. So there's so many stories out there. But, you know, one of my favorite quotes is from Eleanor Roosevelt, and she says, no one, no one can offend me without my permission. And mothers, we need to remember that, that no matter what people say to you, if you're struggling with infertility and people say things to you that are just, let's just face it, sometimes they're just stupid, stupid things, but they're well-meaning. You know, maybe they're well-meaning, maybe they're not well-meaning, who knows, but it's your choice to be offended. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful quote. So I want to talk a little bit about what if you had a mother that was abusive or neglectful? Um, how does that continue to affect you? How does that continue to make Mother's Day a horrible day for you? Um, what has become your belief 
and what is now validating your future. And you are the only person that, that person that can create a positive mindset. And you are the only person that can control your thoughts. And I know you've heard this a million times, but to continue to make Mother's Day a dreaded holiday, as that person said on the blog, um, that's a choice. It really is a choice that you're making. I, as I gathered my grandchildren together, um, I was over at my, at my daughter's house and I didn't have my youngest son with me. I was able to be a grandmother because of the love and care of another woman. Another woman who loves children. Another woman who would love to be a mother herself. She not only mothers my child, but she mothers her niece and her nephew. She helps her sister take care of her children. She's helping to take care of her mother. And she's also helping me take care of my son. And her, her embracing her role as woman and mother gave me the ability to mother my grandchildren. That's what it's all about. Be, and I know you ladies have all heard this, but because you haven't been given that gift of being a mother yourself does not demote you in any way from your gift of being a woman and your the gifts that you have as a nurturer and you have to change your mindset and and change your beliefs to something that create can create positive thoughts so that you can create positive actions and change how you look at your role as a woman and i think that's probably the strong message that we have. I, again, I wish that we could do away with the holiday altogether because it does create so many dreaded feelings. Um, maybe we can. Maybe this is the beginning of a movement, ladies, right? Maybe this is the beginning of changing the day. And I'm not saying change the day to another name, giving it another name. For a while, I thought, man, if they could Let's not call it Mother's Day. Let's call it Woman's Day. But then I thought, why do we have to have a day? I mean, if I take my mother out for lunch and I celebrate everything that she did for me on Thursday, uh, April something or June something or August something, does that mean that if I don't do something on the first Sunday in May that I'm not a good daughter or that I don't celebrate and relish what my mother did for me? No, it just means that just because Hallmark said I had to do that on that day, let's take that away. Let's remember our mothers when we're together for for one reason or another. When we, you know, when we are called upon by the spirit that that tells us for some reason, I don't know why, but I'm being told in my mind and in my heart that I should call my mother. And it's not Mother's Day. It's not a holiday that's been that's been instructed from you know, some weird um, outside source. It's your own, you're doing it on your own. And that's what I think we need to go back to. And I would say the same thing about Father's Day, that we need to relish and celebrate our fathers on all of the time and not just on a designated holiday. You know, I think the hard thing is it becomes a weekend where we divide things up. Uh, maybe you celebrate your your children and your mother-in-law on Saturday, and then you celebrate your own mother, or your children celebrate you on Sunday. And oh, it just becomes a crazy weekend of celebration. And that you know that's right after Valentine's Day. Did you get that rose dipped in gold for your for your love? You know, for the people you love on Valentine's Day. And what did you do for for spring? And what did you do for Easter? I mean, it's just one more holiday that brings so much craziness into our life. You know. Um, Looking, looking back on that, you know, I remember, take the time this day. Maybe if you don't have a good relationship with your mother, um, let's, let's look at some of the things that we can do. What can we do if, if you're struggling with a relationship? Um, do we, how can we turn unhappy situations into joyful situations? And I think the biggest thing is to, number one, you have to have a sense of humor. 
I, I love listening to, uh, Jewish comment, uh, comics because for some reason they're able to look at overbearing mothers, intrusive mothers, uh, complaining mothers. They're able to look at that with such a great sense of humor. And they, you know, and, and they use that as, as, um, as as what they're 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 scripting they they script their whole entire uh, comedy routine on their mothers and the crazy things their mothers have said and the the, how, the crazy things their their mothers give them as gifts and and how their mothers interfere with their dating and for with everything and they think it's hilarious and it it's become you know a, a saying oh you're being a Jewish mother and and I love that that they can look at that and they they almost they almost embrace it as a culture, you know, that that's the way Jewish mothers are. They're intrusive and they're, they're bossy and they're, they say stupid things and, you know, insulting things and that's the way it is. And I love that, you know, um, so can you look, can you look at that? Can you look at the loss of a mother? Was there someone else that stepped in? I, I, I remember thinking that, um, Rosie O'Donnell, you know, lost her mother and it was devastating to her and it has affected her throughout her whole life. She mentions it constantly. And I remember she said one time, one of her, um, uh, companions said something to her about, when are you going to get over this? When are you going to let this stop defining your life? And, um, and she recognized it and she heard it, but she didn't necessarily make those changes, but she also gave credit to her grandmother. And she gave credit to a teacher who stepped into that role and replaced, as much as someone can replace, some parts of what a mother does. And it made all the difference in the world. So if you had a mother that was abusive or neglectful, was there someone else in your life that took over and helped you become the woman that you are. So let's relish that and, and forgive. Let's forgive. You know, one of my, my most favorite quotes is a quote that I remember reading in one of Stephen Covey's books. And it was, you know, seek first to understand. Before you can listen, you have to understand. So if you can look back on a, an abusive mother or a neglectful mother, um, where is she coming from? What was her experience as a child? Um, was she neglected as a child? So she didn't have a role model. Um, was she abused as a child? And so she didn't have a role model. Was she a better mother than her mother? Did she do a little better than her mother did? And so she was doing the best she could. Can we forgive? Can we seek to understand? And then also, and again, humor, a humor Humor is so important in every area of your life. Looking at things your your mothers might say or do and just laughing about it. It's like, and being honest. Uh, this is something that I'm trying to be more in my own life. Rather than being offended, I'm trying to be honest and come back and say, that was offensive or I, you probably don't mean what you just said or did you hear what you just said? And 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 so you know making maybe making people aware of comments that are made but trying not to be offended and knowing that most of the time people have your the best intentions and they're trying to be helpful in some way um number 2 besides having a sense of humor i would say number 2 and i have this in my book is you have to have a stubborn belief that you can figure things out and that you can solve your challenges you have to be active. You have to constantly be in a mode of pursuing. If you stop pursuing a dream, then that's where depression comes in because you lose hope. If you have given up on what you thought your role was going to be as a mother, that's where the depression comes in. If you look at what you were, what you've been handed, if you look at what your life has turned out to be, and it's not everything you thought it was going to be, what can you do to make yourself happy? I know I've talked with other women who have had children that have died and it's, it never goes away. The grief 
never goes away. And they talk about, you know, time heals all wounds. And it doesn't, really. Um, but I believe you gain coping skills. And you, as you age, you're given the ability to look at other people's lives, look outside your own life. You can become a little bit more reflective. You can weigh your burdens a little bit easier as you age. And so it's not that the grief becomes less, but you begin to absorb a little bit about what your life is supposed to be like. And so you can not let your grief necessarily die, but you can look outside of your grief and say, what do I need to do to make myself happy again? And you have to be stubborn in that area. And that's one of the things that I love about women is I believe women are the strongest, the most determined of all of the, of the sexes. There's only two, but they're so much more determined. They're going to get up every day. I just heard the most amazing story this morning. Let me share it with you. I'm going to obviously paraphrase it, but it was a story that from a woman that had gone to a networking conference and she was from Africa and she stood up and she said, in my village, women live in huts. They live in lean-tos. They live in caves. And every morning they get up and they get their shovel and they go door to door and they knock on the other huts. They knock on the other caves and they see who died in the night and they bury the dead every morning. And then they look at the families. And if the person that they buried was the second parent, then they take those children and they raise them as their own. And she said, right now, I am raising 25 children that are not mine in my cave in Africa. And I, you cannot help but look at your own life and say, I don't have any reason to not be happy. I need to look outside of myself and see what I can do to serve others so that I can fulfill my role as a mother. You don't have to have your own children to be a mother. And I know you've heard that and it doesn't take away the pain, but it's the only thing you can turn to. What is your alternative? What is your alternative? And that's what you have to look at. The, my third, my third suggestion is to have a deep faith that you can solve your challenges. I think it's so important that we remember that as I, you know, I'm a Christian, but Christianity is a very small part of the many religions that there are out there in the world. And, but every religion teaches the same thing. And that is love and serving others. And so learn about other religions, learn about other faiths, embrace whatever faith that you have and use that faith to solve your challenges. And I know it seems, it seems to people who are, do not embrace a faith of some kind that that's a weakness that you're letting it go of your, of, and you're depending on an unseen force. But if you don't have a faith in some kind of a higher power, then you are relying on yourself and you are only human and you need to have other people on your tribe and other people. You're going to find your tribe through beliefs and you will be so much happier if you can find a, um, a belief in with other people that are, um, that are in the same tribe with the same beliefs. Um, so those are the three things that I recommend. I recommend that you listen to other people's stories, that you, um, that you reflect on your own, um, sadness by listening to what other people are going through. And um, so let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And then we're going to conclude our, our talk today about the, uh, the uh, joys and the pitfalls of celebrating Mother's Day.
Now, back to Renee Steelman for more Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com. Hi. Okay, okay. So when we went to break, we were talking about Mother's Day. How many of you out there are absolutely dreading Mother's Day? And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about this holiday that's been created for us that we all seem to. I know there's some people out there that absolutely love it, um, but I know there's a lot of us out there that absolutely dread it. And that's what we're talking about. So in the few minutes that we have left, we're going to talk a little bit about how you can, you know, if you are dreading this holiday, how can you change? How can you make this day become a day of joy because you know what? I don't think it's going away. I don't think it's going anywhere, unfortunately. Um, so we're going to have to endure, right? We're going to have to endure to the end. And, you know, one of the quotes that I heard, and I love this, is how can I create a positive change by controlling your thoughts? So let's talk about that. If you hate Mother's Day, why don't you sit down and list, why do I hate Mother's Day? I hate Mother's Day because I'm obligated, as that one person said on the blog, I'm obligated to send uh, my mother a card or send my mother flowers, even though uh, my mother was neglectful. My mother always complains. My, never, my mother's never grateful for anything I ever give her. You know, these are all the thoughts that you have. What if you sent your mother flowers and you don't care how she responds? It's a great time to send somebody flowers, right? Would you send your neighbor flowers? Eh, you don't know her that well, but hey, you know what? She's a nice old lady that lives next door to you. You're going to brighten up her day. Change your thoughts. I'm going to send my mom flowers because she's a nice old lady that lives by herself. So think of her as the nice neighbor that lives next door to you, right? So, you know, would you, would you help a stranger on the street that you don't know what their situation is? You don't know what their life has been like. You don't know if they've been abusive to their children, but you see someone in need. And so you would help them. And how does that make you feel when you've made that effort to help someone? So if you can change your thoughts, then you can create that positive action that you need to take, and then that can control how you feel about a day that's been put upon us, right? It's been inflicted on us. Um, one of the other quotes from Ann Lindbergh's book, A Gift from the Sea, that I really like is uh, she says, The sea does not reward those who are too anxious, too greedy, or too impatient. To dig for treasures shows not only impatience and greed, but lack of faith. Patience, patience, patience is what the sea teaches. Patience and faith. One should lie empty, open, choiceless as beach, waiting for a gift from the sea. And wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to do? To do the things that your heart tells you to do. Maybe your heart tells you to send flowers to your mother or to a strange woman who lives maybe by herself who doesn't have any family. And, and, and let that be your gift to yourself. Um, and, and know that this was something that you did out of kindness, out of serving, um, out of, out of, uh, a, a wanting to heal others so that they don't have to go through what you've gone through. Look for ways that you can make this day a happier day. And, you know, remember, remember the, the women out there who are not able to have children or the women who have lost children. Um, I, I, I have a friend who, uh, her husband just lost a, a brother unexpectedly. You're not supposed to lose your children. You're, you're supposed to die first. Everyone says that. It's quoted so many times from parents who have lost children. It's devastating. And it, I remember as a young woman, uh, meeting with my congregation when I was stationed in Japan. And the, the man that was in charge of the congregation, he and his wife were probably in their sixties. They're probably my age now. But at that time, you know, I was in my twenties, early twenties. And I remember one Sunday, the, 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 the wife got up and she talked about losing a child. And they had three or four other children, but they had had a child. And she was reflecting back on the loss of that child. And I remember thinking, wow, I mean, you're really upset about this child that you lost, but you had four other children. And didn't that heal your pain? And didn't that make that pain go away? And I was confused at how how her heart was so wrenched from the loss of this child. And now, of course, as a mother, 
I understand. I, I remember when my, um, my husband's mother grieved over the loss of a grandchild and I was confused that her grief was so strong because I remember thinking, well, that's, I don't understand that because it's a grandchild, but it wasn't her child. Um, but, you know, I, I just didn't understand because I hadn't gone through it. Now I know as a grandmother, I cannot even imagine. I cannot even imagine the grief that I would feel if I lost one of my grandchildren. So life teaches us these lessons. And so we have to have time and patience. Let yourself grow a little bit. If you're looking at a situation, if you're looking at a mother that was not the mother that you hoped she would be, can you let patience take over? Can you let understanding take over? And someday you might be able to go, oh, yeah, I get it now. I understand where she was coming from. Um, you know, it's funny reflecting. Um, as I was getting my son dressed this morning, I was trying to get one of his shirts off uh, off of uh, the hanger in the closet. And I'll never forget, many of you will understand, you know, the uh, Mommy Dearest, the reference back to Joan Crawford and the horrible mother that she was that was written by her, her daughter. And I remember doing some research after, after, uh, watching a documentary on that and there, and starting to listen to other sides of the story. And I started reading other people who knew Christine, her daughter that had written that book. And all of a sudden there was a new, a new page, a new, uh, paradigm to that situation. Christine had her own issues and she resented her mother a lot. She herself wanted to be a successful actress and her dream was not being fulfilled and she resented the attention that her mother got and felt like a tool for her mother to get attention. And so as I was trying to get my son's shirt off this wire hanger, of course, we all have references right to the movie about the wire hanger. I remember hearing how, you know, Joan Crawford was so... um it wasn't fair for her that this story came out after she was dead and couldn't tell her own story about what really happened and how now people joke about it and they talk about wire hangers and cleaning uh, the bathroom. And, you know, whenever someone's a bad mother, they re- reference it. They go, oh, yeah, she was just a mommy dearest, you know, and what that did to damage Joan Crawford's reputation Um so, you know, we need to understand a little bit more. There's two sides to every story and, and, and we need to have patience and, and maybe we'll be able to someday go, oh yeah, you know what? My mom was, uh, uh, yelled a lot, right? My mom was a little crazy, um, but now I'm a mother of four children and I'm a little crazy and I find myself yelling a lot. So uh, I think I can put myself in my mom's shoes a little bit and I can be more understanding and, and compassionate. So I think that's one of the things that we need to do. Um, one of the other things I talk about in my book is what's happened to our role as mothers as far as being, you, you, there, there seems to be two roles. We're either a helicopter mom and we're hovering too much or we're neglectful and we're not hovering enough. And there doesn't seem to be a happy medium anymore. And our role as mothers has gotten so much harder in this day and age. We live in such a different world. Even my generation and my mother's generation for sure and my grandmother's generation for sure, sure, Half the time, we didn't even know where our kids were. They were outside playing. They were in forests. They were over by water. They were playing on train tracks. They were playing out in the field. They were they were using their imaginations. They were using that freedom of not having adults around them to be able to learn who they were and to become who they wanted to be. And they had that freedom. And now, if you don't know where your children are, you can be arrested. You could be in jail. And you will definitely be considered a bad mother if you don't know where your children are at all times and that's a lot of pressure to be to be put on women and, and to be put on mothers if you have more than two children and you don't know where all those children are at all times of the day that's a lot of pressure and so we find ourselves as mothers trying to keep our kids involved in things that we can supervise, that they can be active, but that we can we can know where they're at. And that's not possible. And it doesn't give the children the freedom. And I talk about that in my book. I have an entire chapter about um, 
free range children and what that means and, and, and how hard that is. We want to be, we want to let our children be free range children, but the world is scary and we can't help but get that out of our minds. So that's one of the things I cover in my book. Um, you know, the other thing I cover in my book is, is being a strong woman and being a strong mother, defending your children if you don't have a, a helpmate, if you don't have a companion that's pulling his side, his part of the of the duty, or if he's abusive, or if you're if you're you know married to someone who is who is um, neglectful, you have every right to find another situation for yourself and your children. I cover that in my book. I have so much admiration for women who are strong enough to stand up for their children and leave an unhealthy situation. Ah, I, you cannot know how much I admire these strong women. So there's a lot of things. Again, my book is called Heaven Sent and Bent, Becoming a Mother of Strength. You can get it on Amazon. I'm actually going to be on a book tour starting uh, this week. I'm going to be speaking at uh, Thanksgiving Point in Lehigh, Utah. I'm also going to be doing a book signing in Sandy, Utah at the Taipan Trading Store. I'm going to try and do a book signing. I'm really going to be wanting to shop because that store is so amazing. And I'm going to be doing another book signing at another fabulous craft, sh- uh, craft store called The Quilted Bear in uh, Ogden, Utah. So I'm so excited about sharing my book and sharing my message of being a mother of strength. I hope you all find joy this week. I hope you can find joy in celebrating your role as a woman this Sunday. Try not to let this day get you down. Um, I love Winston Churchill's uh, great, one of the great uh, talks that he gave it was very surprising. He was asked to address a university and he got up to the pulpit and he said, never, never, never give up. And then he sat down. And that's the message that I'm going to leave you with. As a woman, as that power that you have within you, use that strength that you have to nurture and to serve and to love one another. Use that. Whether you can call yourself a mother, you are a mother in some shape, way, or form. And I hope you can find peace and happiness this week. We'll talk again next week. Have a great, uh, a great week, and I hope you can find a little bit of heaven. Bye-bye. 